that's it. And just like that, the NBA has wrapped up their 75th season. The play-in tournament starts tomorrow. This means basketball every night until June. It's the playoffs. This is what we've been waiting for. And I got a lot to get into with you guys today. I'll be right back on the other side. Stay tuned. This is 94 Feet. just yesterday that we were here at the start of the playoffs for the NBA season. I feel like the, like the 2021 playoffs, it feels, like it, it feels like it was just yesterday. And it's kind of crazy to think that we, we've gone through our year so quickly. <laughs> we're already back for the playoffs for the year 2022. But hey, I'm not complaining. I'm not complaining. Welcome on in, guys. This is 94 Feet, your host, Biodita, here with you. I thank you guys for taking some time out, just tuning in. For any of you guys that are new listeners um, please subscribe. Please subscribe. I promise you we get into some really fun stuff here on this podcast. So thank you for taking time out today to join us. I'm excited, guys. NBA playoffs are upon us. What else, what, what else do you need? What else do you need? I mean, it's, it's a good time. It's, it's definitely a good time to be here. So I'm excited. Let's go ahead and get right on into it, to what's on my mind today. Um, I, it's funny. So my first topic today for what's on my mind. I wanted to talk about what were some of the top storylines throughout the season. And I actually tweaked it a little bit because originally I had what were the top three. But I think top three, actually, we kind of covered a little bit of them. You know, my last episode when we talked about the Lakers, we talked about the Nets, you know, just some of the things that are going on there. We talked about Philadelphia. I think I would still consider those to be some of my top three. But instead, I really want to talk and some, talk about some other things with you guys today. So um, I had some other topics, like I said, that I thought that were pretty big that came up throughout the year, throughout the season. However, in recent news of what we found out today with the Lakers, letting go of their head coach, Frank Vogel, and then also the information on Ben Simmons, I do want to touch on that real quick. So starting with the Lakers, let me tell you something. I feel, I feel bad for Frank Vogel. I really do. And the reason why I say that is because I feel like in some ways he was set up to fail. I really do. I really do. I think the, the roster was poorly constructed. Uh, you know, and I'm not saying he's completely without blame because I also think even with the roster that he was given, I didn't necessarily agree with the role that they had Russell Westbrook in. You know, there was a lot of things that were that were just that were just not in place. You know, and, and I think the biggest issue to me that stands out is things clearly, as we see more reports coming out, things clearly are not well within the office of the Lakers. All right, so as a result, I just feel like some of those issues that are going on internally with the system have just trickled its way down into the, the actual players that we see on the floor. I feel like the whole thing all the way around, like I said, is just poorly constructed. So I feel bad for Frank Vogel, the fact that he got let go, because I don't think he's fully responsible for what happened with this season. So I'll say that. And then on Ben Simmons, obviously now we're hearing reports that Ben Simmons may possibly uh, attempt to return within the first round. I, I don't think that's a wise idea. I don't. I just feel like at this point, Ben Simmons, you have not even played, not even a regular season game of basketball since June of 2021. And that was a playoff game. And now you want to come back, you quote unquote are dealing with a back issue. And you want to come back in the playoff season. On top of that, you also been talking about some of the struggles you've been dealing with from a mental standpoint where you know playoff basketball, literally every little move that you make 
every turn turnover, every mistake can cost you your game. And you want to come out underneath all that to try to play basketball again? I don't know if that's a wise idea. I don't know if that's a wise idea. I think Ben Simmons' opportunity to come back was during the month of March. Or in February, if we're going to be honest. That's when he got there. So if I'm if I'm Ben, I think at this point, it's better if you just wait. I know they're saying they, they may just you know put him to a, a minutes restricted minutes restriction. All they really need him for is defense. Even so, it doesn't it doesn't negate the fact of what I'm talking about. And if you heard me in my last episode, I'm sticking with the same thing. There's no substitute for chemistry. None. So that's where I'm at on that. But anyway, if you want to hear more about what I talked about, go back to our last episode. Moving on to what's on our mind, what's on my mind for today. All right. So top storylines in the season. First thing I got to go with is John Morant and the Grizzlies. Now, this is the team, if you guys remember, they beat the Warriors in the play-in tournament in 2021, okay? They finished second in the West this year with a 56-24 and 24 record. We know John Moran alone. Um, he's climbed to new heights with this game. He averaged 27.4 points, uh, about six rebounds, and seven assists in 57 games this year. Not bad. Not bad. And let's face it, at one point, he actually was in contention for the MVP, if you guys remember that prior to his injury. Plays hard all the time, and I think... I think also I'll even say that the team overall, these guys, they just believe in themselves, man. They believe in themselves. They really do. I, I mean, they, like I said, these guys, they play so hard. I like their young players. I like their role players. Desmond Bain. Um, they brought in Steven Adams. I thought that was a great addition. Brandon Clark. Tyus Jones. DeAnthony Melton. Dylan Brooks. Zaire Williams. And even Kyle Anderson. I actually, I played high school basketball against Kyle Anderson. I'm not sure if I shared that with you guys in the past. But, um, yeah, I mean, a lot of great role players here. A, a lot of, you know, a lot of great additions, you know, to surround your superstar and John Morant with. I mean, I think, you know, I think they had a, a wonderful season. You know, and they, these guys, I don't think anybody really expected them to finish where they finished this year. Um, and it's just a, as a result of, you know, just time. You know, LeBron and the Lakers, we know what their struggles were. I mean, I think it was just, it was their time to emerge, and they really capitalized on it. So, Got to give a lot of credit to them. One of the, of the other top storylines I want to talk about is the Knicks underachieving, okay? The Knicks underachieved this season. This is a team that made their return to the playoffs last year for the first time in over eight seasons. Julius Randle, he signed a max contract last summer in 2021. And long story short, they couldn't repeat the success. Couldn't repeat it. They brought in Kemba Walker and Evan Fortier. Kemba, he didn't fit in Tom Thibodeau's system. All right, he played, what, maybe two quarters of the season, and eventually they just said, hey, we're shutting him down, and that's not working out. Had him benched for one part of the season, if you guys remember that, a couple games. And last year, what kept him competitive was their defense. They couldn't repeat that. Julius Randle, he wasn't able to muster up a consistent star performance night in and night out. It's another thing. You know, and I will say there's some light at the end of the tunnel, like anything, like any other team. Their young players still look promising. I think R.J. Barrett, he took a couple steps forward in this game. Still needs to work on his right hand, but I think, you know, he he, he definitely has showed some progression. I will give him some credit for that. You know, they still got Emmanuel quickly, Obi Toppin, Jericho Sims. And I'm not saying these guys are winning you an NBA championship next year. Let's not get carried away. That's not what I'm saying. However, you have young, per, you have young players, young pieces to work with, and it's up to the front office to figure the rest out. So I think the Knicks underachieved. That was another major storyline. I think there was a lot of press that followed them last year being able to, to make it back to the playoffs. And I think people were hoping that they could repeat some of that, um, you know, in hopes of seeing where they would end up this year. I think they underachieved. That's another major storyline. 
Uh, another thing I wanted to touch on, Clay Thompson, the return of Clay Thompson, another major storyline that came up this year. You know, if I, if I had to quickly sum up Clay from what we saw from January up until now, I would say um, Clay has not been spectacular, but he hasn't been awful either. Hasn't been awful. He had two huge performances to close out this season. You know, and I really think overall he might just need one more year just to get comfortable. I don't think he's looked bad, but I think to get back to what we remember him being, I wouldn't even say 100%. I would say maybe close to what we remember him being. He might just need one more year. Just one. You know, now the playoffs start on Saturday. We'll see what he has for us. We'll see what he can put out. But I think, like I said, it, an additional year will, will get him that buffer of, you know, just comfort. Comfort. You know, he, he dealt with two major uh, injuries. On top of that, he's two years older. Just kind of learning what you can do, learning the body again, learning different um, you know, mechanics, all these things are, are, are playing into it. So I think, again, Clay Thompson, his return was another major storyline this year. Another thing I want to mention to you guys was COVID-19. COVID-19, another major story that impacted our season this year. Did you guys forget what December 2021 felt like? You know, it felt like it was March 2020 all over again, if you ask me. His COVID numbers were flying up. It was this this player is in COVID protocols. This person's not playing. This person tested positive to COVID. There was such a heavy influx of the players coming in from the D League. You know, I guess it was good for the D League players that they, they get the exposure. However, um, again, COVID nineteen it, it, it had its impact again this year. Heck, on a, on a personal account, I was supposed to go to a, a hockey game with some of my friends. Yes, you guys heard me right. I was going to a hockey game. Yes. Some of, some of my friends were home uh, for the holidays and we were planning to get together. That was about a $400 investment. Uh, we didn't go because the NHL, they decided to shut down the season, what, a day before we were supposed to go for the game? So that was a $400 investment. We tried to resell the tickets and only one of them sold out of the five or six that we bought. So you can imagine how the group felt. Yes, it was a loss on our end of an investment. Anyway, moving on. Um, or just real quick, I also want to say this about COVID-19. It's still impacting our, our NBA season up until today. We just heard that Philadelphia's Matisse Thibel is ineligible for the games in Toronto because he's not fully vaccinated. So there you go. And we already know Kyrie Irving's situation. We've been talking about that forever. You know, and I, I think I will say this as well. I think as I watch basketball, you guys have to remember when we talk about COVID-19, it's so much more bigger than just the game. You know, my guy, Brian, I don't know if you guys remember, I had Brian on in the past, last year as we were in the midst of the playoffs. I remember when um, he, so he invited me a couple weeks ago, me and him went to a Sixers game. And um, I'm at the game, and for me, I think the, the most, the biggest realization I had as I'm watching the game is just that it was so eye-opening, and it was just a great reminder that, you know, there's so many things that are going on outside of just the 10 guys that are running up and down on the court. I'm thinking about the players. I'm thinking about the NBA. I'm looking at the referees who are in Philadelphia, but they're obviously staffed with the NBA. That's their only job. They're just there to ref the game. I'm looking at the players who are on the floor, who are there competing, obviously putting on entertainment for those like myself who are there in person to watch the game and those at home on television. I'm thinking about NBC Sports Philadelphia. They have a contract with the Sixers to televise all of their home games, or all their games, not even just the home ones, but all of their games. So I'm thinking about them. I'm thinking about the fact that when there is a timeout, the folks that come out on the court to to shoot out like uh, paraphernalia for the Philadelphia 76ers and shirts, hats and, 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 you know, headbands and things of that nature, cups and tickets, 
all these different things. I'm thinking about there's a there's a public relations team, there's a marketing team that literally sits down and says, what can we do to get Philadelphia 76ers fans excited to come watch Philadelphia 76ers basketball? All this stuff is premeditated. All of it. And all of it is happening in two and a half hours. All of it. All of it. It just blows my mind when I sit there and think about it. I mean, maybe it's just me, but whatever. I'm sharing with you guys anyway. Another major storyline. Another major storyline that also I believe was uh, was big this year was the rule with the foul call changes. Now this one was this one was a challenge. Do you guys remember like the first few months of the season, watching guys trying to break out of those bad habits of just what the what the articles called at that time the non-basketball moves. And, I, and this one still baffles me, if you, honestly. Because my thing is this: what game are they playing? And no, this is not a trick question. What game are the guys actually playing? Okay, so I hope you're saying basketball. If you are saying basketball, my thing is this. If the players are making what we have referenced as a non-basketball move, okay? A non-basketball move, and they're playing basketball, why are referees blowing the whistle on non-basketball moves? I don't think this is hard to compute, nor to, uh, to comprehend. They probably shouldn't be calling it anyway in the first place. Probably shouldn't be calling it anyway. If it's a non-basketball move, why are we even calling it? And I, I feel like this, this shouldn't have been as big of an issue as it was. You know, we saw a guy struggle. Steph Curry, Trey Young, James Harden. Uh, we already know what it did to James Harden. I talked about this before in the past, too. I believe that was a major reason for James Harden's struggles. Was learning how to deal with this rule change. I mean, this is a guy that would get to the basket. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Would get to the free throw line. He would shoot about at least, uh, I don't know, maybe 15, 16 free throws a game. Minimally. I mean, that's that's a lot. I mean, so that's a major adjustment for his game. On top of that, he's older. You know, body's changing. Like I said, you know, certain things he can't do anymore that he used to be able to do before. So, you know, it, it's it's a lot. It really is a lot. So, anyway, moving on. Another thing I wanted to share with you guys today, my second topic for what is on my mind. NBA Commissioner Adam Silver. He expressed his concerns last week about players not playing enough. You know, and I would even say especially in relation to the NBA stars throughout the 90s and the 80s. Do today's stars sit out too much, today's NBA stars? I would say yes, but I think, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a tough point of conversation. And I say that because there's, there's two ways of looking at this. From the owner's perspective, from Adam Silver's perspective, and those who were in the NBA for the business aspect of, the business aspect of it, it's bad. Right? Why? Because guys like Jason Tatum, Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, Luka Doncic, uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Ky Kyrie Irving, LeBron James, Anthony Davis. These are the people that guys want to see. John Moran. Okay? These are your stars that people are obviously paying dollars to come out there and see. So if they're not on the floor, what does that mean? Less revenue. Right? That's not good for the brand of basketball. You know, I think that that's one way of looking at it. However, the other side is... These guys are not impervious to injury, right? Okay. They have a medical staff. They have also sports scientists. I don't really know too much about how it works, but I'm saying these people, they go to school to learn what? How do we keep the body most healthy and durable so that when we get to where we are right now, the playoffs, guys can actually play or be competitive longer than for a shorter period of time. They're athletes. These guys are playing basketball. They're working out, exercising 24-7. So the, the way that, uh, there's so much that goes into it from an aspect of 
how do we keep the body strong, but also not tear it down to the point where it's not durable? You know, there's, there's so many things that go into it and dieting and things of that nature. So I feel like with today's doctors, there's, depending on what a guy may be dealing with, especially if you have a guy who's got like a lingering injury, you know, depending on what kind of injury it is, you know, sometimes, hey, sitting out a game or two, it may be to your benefit. So you can be healthy in a couple months or so you can be healthy longer down the road. So you're not overworking yourself. You know what I'm saying? It really just depends on the injury. It depends on what the guy may be dealing with. But I'm trying to say is that I believe because of what we know now from a medical standpoint, what our doctors know. Yes, I do believe players are being recommended, you know, to sit out some of these games. Some of it could be on the player as well. I'm not even putting it all on the doctors. Sometimes, yeah, you have some players that just feel, hey, you know, not tonight. You know, and I don't even think that's the greatest approach, again, because I think it hurts the value of the game. And it also hurts the team. So, I mean, it's it's definitely a two-way street. I think guys definitely sit out more than they used to. Um, the game is definitely not what it used to be compared to the 80s, compared to the 90s. Um, you know, even the way it's played, it's, it's completely different. So um, I get it from both standpoints of view. The third thing I wanted to share with you guys that was on my mind today is who is your MVP this season? All right. Obviously, I'm a Philadelphia fan. You know who I'm thinking about is Joel Embiid. But in this case, I'm sorry. I cannot go with Joel Embiid. And, I, you know, I don't even have that much details on this for you guys. I didn't get a chance to pull the numbers that I wanted to pull. So this is strictly just going off the eyeball test. I had to go with Nikola Jokic. I did. I go, I'm going with Nikola Jokic as my MVP for this year's season. Um, the reason why I'm doing that, I do have a couple of the stats in front of me. Nikola Jokic, he played 74 games, guys, out of an 82 season. So played almost every game this year, all right? Finished with averaging 28 points, 14 rebounds, 8 assists, and I even have his PER rating. If you guys remember, PER is player efficiency rating. It's like a combination of points, rebounds, assists, minutes played. It's all jumbled into this giant um, percentage. And his PER, his PER rating is 32.7. I believe the median, guys, is around like 16 or 18. So you figure he's nearly doubled that. Nearly double that. A little bit over, a little bit under. But I mean, it, it's just going off the eyeball test, guys. I love Joel Embiid, you know, and I understand what he did for Philadelphia in this time, even while guys like Ben Simmons weren't playing. But I just think when you look at what Jokic did without Jamal Murray, without uh, Michael Porter Jr., I mean, in, in the way he gets it done, too, I mean, it's just... <sighs> I mean, Jokic literally is almost like a point guard, the way he plays. Don't get me wrong, Embiid, he plays on the perimeter, but Embiid to me still looks like a, he still looks like a center that's out on the perimeter. Jokic gives the flashes of a guard to me when I watch him play. He gets flashes of a guard. I mean, just with his playmaking, his ability to create for other guys, and it's just his efficiency. His efficiency to me is just, it's incredible. It's incredible, you know, and I know last year, I think last year I went with Steph Curry. You know, I may have just been a little bit caught up in recency bias. I, I'll say that last year. But um, again, I think Jokic, I, I got to give it to Jokic. And just for the sake of time, guys, like I said, I didn't really get a chance to pull, the, pull all the details together for you that I wanted to on this one. But um, yeah, Jokic is my MVP. We got the play in that starts tomorrow night. So just in terms of expectations for that, we got Brooklyn Nets going up against the Cleveland Cavaliers. My expectation, I believe Brooklyn Nets are going to handle business. Um, they're going to go out there, do what they have to do so they can go ahead 
that will be taking on, I believe it is the Boston Celtics, um, as that currently right now holds the number two seed in the East. So whoever wins tonight will take on the Boston Celtics um, in that number two game. So in that uh, that two seven matchup in the East. So I, I think, you know, I'll give the edge to them as far as for the second game, the Lakers and the Timberwolves. Excuse me, I said the Lakers, the other LA team, the Clippers and the Timberwolves. I think the Clippers are going to go out there and handle business. Um, I will give them the edge. I think the Timberwolves are going to keep it competitive. I don't think it's going to be a blowout, but I do think in terms of what Ty Lue has been able to do with that Clippers season um, this year and then having that addition back of Paul George, I expect them to go out there and, and do what they got to do. I, I expect them to to um, come away with the victory on this victory tomorrow, with, with this game tomorrow night. As far as for our 9 and 10 matchups in both the East and the West, for the East, I'm going to go with uh, the, the, the Hornets. Got to go with the Hornets over the Hawks. I think the Hawks this year have just been beaten up by injury. You know, same thing. That's another team I think has been has been struggling in terms of being able to repeat some of uh, what we remember from them last year. This is a team that, that, that you know, eliminated Philadelphia. Uh, I think got injuries to guys like Zach Collins as well has also, you know, hurt them in terms of just their success this year. So that's another thing. As far as for the West, the Pelicans and the Spurs, I'm going to go with the Pelicans. I just believe between... Uh, the greatness of guys like Brandon Ingram and even CJ McCollum is going to be a little bit too much for what the Spurs can do. Um, so I really don't see them overcoming that. Uh, I got to give the edge to the Pelicans. So play and start tomorrow night, guys. Don't miss it. We got the playoffs on Saturday. Let's keep it moving to crunch time. All right. You know what time it is. You know what time it is. It is crunch time. All right. Let's go ahead and get into it. Which NBA team gets overlooked the most, in your opinion? I got to go with the Suns, okay? I got to go with the Suns. I feel like no matter what the Suns do, this is a team that will continuously go ahead and be overlooked. They won over 65 games this year. They also, if you guys, I'm even thinking back for a second. At the beginning of the season, when the Lakers acquired Anthony, De uh, Carmelo Anthony, Russell Westbrook, and just some of the other pieces, obviously Malik Monk, Kendrick Nunn, there was so much attention on the Lakers and on the Warriors and on the Nets and what these teams were going to look like this year and even just being favored for championship uh, for the overall, just making it to the championship this year. Nobody was talking about the Suns. Mind you, this is a team that was in the finals last year. Nobody. Nobody. I feel like this is a team, like I said, that constantly gets overlooked. Nobody really gives them enough attention. I feel like there's some, don't get me wrong, it's not that nobody talks about them, but there's not enough people that are talking about them. And especially coming into this year, there was so much attention on Finals matchup between the Nets and the Lakers. So, Suns are my team, like I said, that I believe gets overlooked. Number two, if you were head coach of the Lakers, obviously Frank Vogel's not in that position anymore, but if you were the head coach or if you were a member in the front office, what would you have done differently with the Lakers this season? For me, I'll say this, one voice in the office and one voice in the locker room. To me, it looks like there's too many hands in the jar. We don't know who's calling the shots. We don't know who's making the rosters. We don't know who's controlling the dollars. It looks like to me that there's there's too much chaos up top. And as I mentioned before, chaos up top, chaos going on up top, it does nothing but just trickle and work its way down to everybody else that's below. So that's the first thing I'm looking at. I think the Lakers gonna have to get that in order first. Um, like I said, one man, one man and one woman, you know, make the decisions, call the shots. I mean, and I'm not saying that there's not some kind of meeting, you know, that they get together to you know, make these decisions, but at the end of the day, one person has to be able to control and establish and make some structure. So that's what I got for the Lakers. Third item, what team is more likely to make it back to the finals? The Bucks or the Suns? 
Mm, this is a tight one. I had to go with the Suns on this one. And I, the reason why I say that is because I think the road in the West, in terms of being able to make it back to the finals, is a little bit easier. Just a little bit. Not greatly, though. Don't get me wrong. The Western Conference is still the Western Conference. But I don't think it's the Western Conference. Of old, I believe that the East is a little bit tougher this year. The East is not what it used to be. The East is tougher in this, in this uh, era of basketball right now. So I think the Suns have a higher chance. Milwaukee Bucks certainly look good. However, like I said, just looking at teams like Philadelphia, looking at the Nets, looking at the Celtics, I mean, these are questions that, you know, you have to be able to see how they match up. Obviously, the Miami Heat, they're the number one seed right now in the East. So we'll see. We'll certainly see what happens. That's what I got for you guys for Crunch Time today. All right. Welcome on into my most favorite part of the show, the line segment. My most favorite part. My subtitle. You guys are going to love it. It's called Never Discount the Power of an Experience, okay? Never discount the power of an experience. And you guys may remember me talking about this before because I certainly have brought it up in the past, but I'm gonna take a little bit of a different spin on it, okay? So the reason why I'm saying this is, I'm pretty sure you guys have heard the reference, especially in sports, it comes up often, you know, when you have a, a smaller opponent going up against a, a bigger opponent, you hear people use this metaphor of, or this analogy of, it's the David and Goliath type of matchup, all right? I think back to the 2001 NBA Finals between when it was uh, Shaquille O'Neal and Kobe Bryant and the Lakers going up against the Philadelphia 76ers and Allen Iverson. You, had, you, th you think about a guy like Shaquille O'Neal who stands at seven feet tall. He was about 310 pounds. I remember when I was growing up, they said Shaquille O'Neal when he was coming out of college, I think only had about 10% body fat. And this is a 300-pound guy, so that tells you how much more. That tells you the other... 90% of his weight at 300 pounds was solid muscle. So I don't know about you, but I'd be afraid to play him on a basketball court if he's coming at me full speed, all right? Um, <laughs> you think about a guy like Allen Iverson, barely even six feet. They had him listed as 6'1", but he, they, I heard he was barely even six feet if you see him in person, all right? Barely even six feet, probably about 170 pounds soaking wet. You know, a, your typical David and Goliath matchup, right? So I actually, I've never actually read the story of David and Goliath. So like, I, I actually read it recently. Um, and what was so, what really struck me about this story, the reason why I went with this, this subtitle, never discount the power of an experience, is because David literally was somebody who used to take care of the sheep. He was a shepherd. He used to take care of the sheep. And, I, and like, I guess for me, like when I hear that, the first thing I think about is he's a farm boy. <laughs> this is a guy that worked out on the farm just taking care of the animals, right? Yeah, like sounds like any other typical job that somebody would do maybe at that time. And I think what was so funny is what people didn't know and what I didn't know until I heard about it was that this is a guy who when the sheep were attacked by bears or by lions, he used to take them out himself. He would kill them. David himself would kill the bears and the lions as they would come and attack the sheep. Yeah, I had no idea about this. I had no idea. And as we know, David eventually went on. He fought Goliath. He took out Goliath. Didn't really have any great amount of armor or, or weaponry. Literally did it with a slingshot and a rock. And hit the Goliath right in the forehead, as they say. Took him out, right? And I, what really struck me was, man, how funny is it that in David's time of taking care of the sheep, he also got the training that he needed for what was coming next, which was the battle against Goliath, right? And it just kind of got me thinking, how many times do we find ourselves in a situation for today. Right now, what we're doing today, that could only just be preparation for the thing that's coming next. Now, we don't know it yet. 
And much like David probably didn't know he was going to have to fight Goliath. He was just doing his job. If a bear attacked the sheep, he was his job to protect him. If a lion attacked the sheep, it was his job to protect him. And he killed them. He killed the bears. He killed the lions. Not only knowing, like I said, that that was his training and his preparation for the things to come. And it just kind of got me thinking. And I said to myself, wow. So never, I said to myself, and I'm saying with you guys now, never discount the power of an experience. You just never know. You just never know what you're doing today, right now. Job, occupation, maybe something you're doing on the side. You never know what you're doing right now is going to be beneficial to you for what's coming for tomorrow. So I hope you guys were able to pull something out of that. Again, never discount the power of an experience. For all my folks that are new, again, my this is Biodita. This is 94 Feet. If you guys have enjoyed today's podcast, I encourage you to subscribe because like I mentioned before, we are definitely coming back with more content. Hoping to try to get back up on here with another guest and maybe even um, further, just further interviews as I've done before in the past in terms of diving into other people about what their story is and what it is that they've done with it. So I hope you guys have a wonderful evening. Again, it's Monday. we got a full week ahead of us. Playoff basketball is coming. Stay tuned. I'll be back.